I think I'm supposed to walk out right now. Hey, can we give the Lord some praise? We appreciate you hanging out with us today. Welcome to Liberty Church Milton Campus, and uh, we're excited to be here. I, my, by the way, my name is Nate. I'm the campus pastor at the North Campus, and uh, how many of y'all know Pastor Elijah is amazing and does an amazing job? Can you guys give Pastor Elijah a hand? There, he's at the Foley Campus today, and, um, and just so you know, like, <clears throat> we're going to probably do this even a little more, but uh, uh, we're going to do a little campus pastor swap and, uh, so that everyone can kind of catch their breath from time to time. Um, but just so you know what's going on with that. He's over there, Pastor Cliff's on vacation, and uh, praise God for a little bit of rest. Amen? Uh, well, with that said, I wanted to just start by saying not only is this campus awesome, but we are, you are a part of something really awesome. We have six locations from Foley, Alabama, where Pastor Elijah is today, all the way to Gulf Breeze, Florida, and we're growing and uh, not only that, but just recently, Pastor Elijah led the charge in launching uh, what we call the online campus, which is just tremendous and allows you to kind of experience all the different campus pastors and all the different teaching. How many of you guys have watched online some, at some point over the last couple months? <clears throat> well, let me tell you how awesome this is. Over the last couple months since we launched the online campus, we've seen more than 40 decisions from G- for Jesus online. That's amazing. That's amazing. Right, most of us are just watching along, trying to learn some Bible stuff, and then, uh, but 40 people, more than 40 people have made decisions for Christ. It's really incredible what God is doing through our church family, and it's not even just people in Pensacola or, or this area, or the Gulf Coast area, I mean, people, there was a lady from Orlando that called in uh, to make a decision. I mean, it's just incredible what God is doing through our church, even in the midst of all of this craziness. So uh, I tell you what, Pastor Elijah played a huge part in that, so when you see him, Tell him, make sure you tell him thank you, because what you're experiencing when you watch from home, uh, he played a huge part in making that happen. So with that said, you guys excited to be at church today? Can we give the Lord one more big shout? Come on. Awesome. I love this church. I, I, I'm so thankful for the Milton campus and for what God is doing right here in this community. But with that said, I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into the message today. You guys ready? If you're, if you're ready, say I'm ready. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness in our lives, God. Uh, Lord, I just pray um, that you would just bless this day. God, bless this message. Uh, Lord, help me to not fall off this platform. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. I'll, I tend to be like one of those people that move around a little bit, so I, help, help me with that. You can say, whoa, pastor, too, too close to the edge, or something like that. Um, uh, everybody here know how to say amen, know how to clap, know how to shout? All right, because I'm one of those guys. So anyways, uh, a couple years after Rachel and I got married, uh, we wanted to do something special to gather up all of our friends and to, to have people over. We're kind of people people, you know what I'm talking about? So we wanted to do something special to gather up all of our friends. And so a couple of years after we got married, which is like 15 years ago, uh, we decided to have a party at our house for the national championship football game, right? Like anybody prayerful that we have college football this year? We're like, somebody? I, I'm prayerful. I'm pr- Anyways, we were praying, but I don't even remember who played in the game, which is kind of the point that I'm trying to make here, but, uh, but we were, we were going to have all of our friends over to watch the national championship game, but when we were getting ready for this, we realized we had a real problem. Um, it's probably more of a problem for me than Rachel, but we had only one TV in our house. It was a 19-inch box TV. It was about this big, and it sat on top of the dresser in our, in, in our bedroom. That's the only TV we had. And, um, and so that was, that's what everybody was going to watch the game on. So I went to my wife and I said, honey, we got to do something. We got to up our TV game. And so I, I talked her into going to Sears and buying us a new TV. Now, t- we didn't have the technology uh, 15 years ago that we do today. There was no flat panel TVs 
Um, and so we had to get something a little bit different. Anybody remember the big box TVs? Right? So, so I actually have a picture of the TV we bought. It, is this, there you go. It's a 55-inch box TV. And, um, and I was so pumped about this. My wife didn't even want to buy it. She could have cared less. She just wanted to be with friends and hang out with people. But I was like, we got to have, like, if we're going to have the national championship game at our house, we've got to bring our, our, our best, right? So we went to Sears and we bought this TV. We brought it into our house. It took up half of our living room. And, um, but, but here's the thing. Like, I, this is a little prideful, I admit. But I didn't want to turn the TV on till game day. I wanted to, like, unveil this thing to everybody. Like, I remember when the Sears truck backed into our driveway, it took three of us to get that TV into our house. It was so huge. But on game day, about, about 10 minutes before the game began, before the pregame stuff began, I gathered everybody up, all of our friends in the living room. I said, guys, it's time. It's time to let this beast loose. It's time to, 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 to turn this thing on. So I grabbed the remote, and I pointed at the TV, and I said, let's go. And I clicked power, and you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. I bought a dud. I'm the one that goes and buys this new TV, and it doesn't even work. And, uh, and so we're standing there, and everybody's looking at me like, what are we going to do? And I said, okay. I, I went to our bedroom, and I got the little 19-inch TV, and I came, and I sat it on top of the big 55-inch TV, and we watched the, the national championship game on this little TV. I mean, this, the screen was so small. The people on the screen were so small. We might as well have been watching the game from outer space. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's how small it was. And I remember being kind of like so caught up in it. I remember being so caught up in it, being like so frustrated by it that I, I just kept telling everybody, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry we're not going to get to watch the game like we thought. I'm so sorry it didn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out. I'm so sorry that like, like this situation is not happening the way I hoped it would. And, and I was just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then finally my wife, Rachel, stops me. And she goes, Nate, what are you doing? Why are you sorry? All of your friends are here. All of your people are here. All the people you love are here. Why are you apologizing about this stupid TV? I remember in that moment realizing that I had a decision to make. Was I going to be upset about what I didn't have or was I going to recognize what I did have? And can I tell you, my wife was absolutely right. Ultimately, that TV and the game and all of that was just a big distraction from the real reason we were there. It was a distraction from all we had, from the people God had brought into our life, from the home that God had provided for us that allowed us to gather friends together. It was a distraction from the opportunity that we had to live Jesus in front of our friends, some of which didn't know him at that time. Right? I remember that night seeming like all that could go wrong went wrong. Anybody ever have a time like that? But you know what that, Christ, that, that moment of crisis revealed? It just revealed that my focus was in the wrong place. And I was celebrating the wrong thing. Can I ask you a question today? I say all that to, to ask this question. Where's your focus at? What are you focused on? What do you value? What are you focused on? Are you focused on what you don't have or are your eyes open to see what you do have. Because the truth is, if God is with us, then we have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to rejoice. If God is with us, we have a reason to celebrate. The only question is simply, do we see it? I wanna ask you this today. Do you see your reasons to celebrate? 
When you look around your life, when you look around at the situations you find your, yourself in, even if, they're, even if the situations aren't that good, do you still see through all of the smoke and see the reasons that God has given you to celebrate? We're in this series called Who is God? And this week, I want to talk to you about who God is as El Shimsha Jila, God, my exceeding joy. Right? God our exceeding joy. You know, it's funny, I'm always puzzled when I meet a grumpy Christian. I really am. I'm, I'm puzzled by that because I think about it and I'm like, how can you be full of Jesus, saved by grace, you know, possess the hope of heaven and still be so grumpy? Like we have something to celebrate. We have something to rejoice in. Our God is our exceeding joy. Listen, according to scripture, if you know God, then you are no longer a, a my glass is half full or half empty person. But the Bible says through him our cup runs over. Our cup runs over. He came to give us life overflowing. See, he isn't God of our occasional joy. He's God of our, of our exceeding joy. That's why today I want to ask you, how is God revealed, blessed, provided, forgiven, delivered you? What has God done that you have to be thankful for? What has God done in your life that you can look at and you can realize you have something to be grateful for, right? Can I just ask, like, or can I just say this? Like, if anyone has a reason to party, it's us. It's his children. It's God's people. That's why I'm asking this question today. Do you see the many reasons in your life that you have to rejoice and celebrate because God is at work within you? Do you see it? Now, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to think about the answer to that question or the answers to that question as we go through this message today. As we go through this, you can pull out your phone or, or you can pull out a piece of paper and write some notes down. But I want you to maybe even just write down that question, do you see your reasons to celebrate? And, uh, and then just, just, just write down the reasons you have. Write down the things that, the blessings you have. Write down what God has done in your life. Write down where he's brought you from, where he's forgiven you of. Whatever it might be, like write down the reasons you have to celebrate. As we go through this, and can I just tell you, if you don't get anything else out of this message, but you get that, then it will have been worth your time, right? If you can make that adjustment to stop seeing what isn't right, but, to, but begin to focus in and realize what God has done that is so good, then this message will have been worth your time. Um, now, as we do this, I, I want to share with you a story from First Chronicles uh, and, and I love this story. I love this account because it's an account of, of a moment where something didn't happen the way the person in the story thought it would have happened, but their response isn't what you thought it would be. See, in First Chronicles, we have the account of David and his call to build the house of God, to build the temple for, for the Lord. And uh, David had this dream in his heart, and he saw it in his mind. He had this great vision for what he was going to, for this thing he was going to build for God, this house he was going to build, and, and the Ark of the Covenant was going to reside there, and the presence of God was going to reside there. I mean, he saw it, he felt it, he, did, he wanted this. But there was a point that he came to in his life where he realized that even though he, he's the one that had the vision, and he's the one that had the heart, and, and all those things, like, he realized he wasn't going to be the one to complete it. He realized he wasn't going to live long enough to see this great work come to fruition. Right? You ever have something, like I said, just not go the way you thought it would? I have. 
a couple weeks ago, uh, I did a wedding, for example. And um, I'm just going to let you know, I think it was the best wedding message I've ever given in my life. Like, I crushed it, y'all. I crushed it. Like, you ever heard somebody give a good wedding message and you're like, that was real good. I think everybody just got saved. I think it was one of those kind of deals. Okay, there's a problem, though. See, see, I finished the message, and when I looked up from preaching my good sermon, wedding message, I looked up, and I realized the bride was still standing with her dad. We're like, we're at the end of the wedding ceremony, and the bride's still standing with her dad. Can I just let you know, nobody cares to all the aspiring preachers, right? Nobody cares how good your message is if you forget to give the bride away, right? Nobody cares, It's really important that you make sure you do the most important things before you do things that are kind of pretty important, right? It didn't happen the way I thought it would. We all have all had those moments where something didn't happen the way we thought that it would. When David came to this conclusion in his life that this wasn't going to happen the way he thought it would, he had a decision to make. How was he going to respond to realizing that the big dream, the great dream that was put in his heart to do, he wasn't going to do it? How did he respond? I, I, I want to show you because he didn't respond the way that most of us do. See, David had this incredible relationship with God, our exceeding joy, with El Shimshajila, our exceeding joy. He had this incredible hunger to know God and to do things God's way. So I want to just, I just want to open up my Bible and, and show you, if I can, hold on. I, I want to just read for you the text that shows you how David responded to this moment of not getting what he wanted. <laughs> Anybody ever responded poorly when it didn't happen the way you thought it would have? So there's some honest people in here. I, saw, I see all eight of you. Some people raise their hand. Um, right, this is the moment. So, so 1 Chronicles 29. David comes out before the leaders, before all the people, and he gathers, he gathers everybody up and he tells them, he says, it's not going to be me, it's going to be Solomon. Solomon's going to build the temple. Solomon's going to do the work. You guys are all going to help. We need to gather up everything we need to get this job done because I'm not going to be the one to do it. I'm not even going to be here to see it. But I want you to know something. I want you to, I want you to know why, like, like, hear my heart for this. And so I want you to see what David did, how he responded to finding out, to realizing, to coming to the conclusion that, he, that, that this wasn't going to be, that he wasn't going to reach the dream. He said this, David said, in 1 Chronicles 29.10, it said, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and, our, and, and you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you and you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks. We give you praise for your name is glorious. That's how David responded. I'm going to let you know I have responded less skillfully than that. In moments when I didn't get it my way. When it didn't happen the way I thought it would. How, how have you responded? How will you respond? Will you see your reasons to rejoice like David even when you see the reasons you have to be disappointed? 
I love it. In First Chronicles 29, uh, verse, um, hold on, let me skip down here a little bit. Verse 20, it says that David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God. And, to the entire assemb- and so the entire assembly praised the Lord. And it says the next day that Solomon was anointed king, there was a celebration. And then in verse 26, we see David's obituary. I, I, I love this passage so much because it's as if David was saying, if I'm going out, I'm going out believing, I'm going out praising, I'm going out celebrating. But why? Why did King David have this attitude of celebration even though he would never see the dreams that, he, that, that God had put in his heart come to fruition? I want to show you why he lived celebrating. Even in times that were difficult. Even in times when it didn't make sense. I want to show you why David was able to hold on to God, his exceeding joy. Even in times that were frustrating. Even in times of controversy. I want to show you how David was able to live celebrating even then. And I want to show you how you can too. And the first thing that you got to see, if you're going to understand why David had this attitude that he could live celebrating no matter what he faced, is this. David, David could live celebrating because David remembered where God found him. He remembered that if it wasn't for God, he wouldn't be in the position to do this anyways. He remembered where God found him. He remembered that who he was before God was a shepherd boy in nowhere, from Nowhereville who no one wanted. And because he remembered where God found him, he, he found his identity in, Jesus, in, in the Lord excuse me, instead of in what he wanted. David remembered where he found him. I tell you, I remember where God found me. I don't know if you remember where God found you, but I remember where God found me. And I was not that innocent, friend. I was not that innocent. But then I stood face to face with the God of mercy, and by his stripes, I am healed. Anybody remember where God found you? Anybody thankful that God didn't leave you where he found you? Right? Anybody able to celebrate the life that they have because they remember where God found them? Right? We can, we can celebrate, we can live celebrating because we remember where he, found, where he found us. Not only that, we can live celebrating because God's grace is bigger than our greatest failures. You can celebrate because God's grace is bigger than your greatest failures. That's why David could celebrate. Because he remembered that although he had a crown on his head, underneath that crown was a human being who had lied and stole and cheated. David betrayed. David had blood on his hands. David got caught in deceit. But then David cried out for grace. He he cried out for grace from God, and God said yes. In the book of Psalms, we see this moment where David cried out for grace. He said, God, blot out my transgressions. And the Lord said yes. Right? David knew that the reason he was even there in that moment was because of God's grace. God is good. David knew that goodness personally. When you know that goodness personally, when you realize personally that your past doesn't define your future, then all of a sudden your circumstances don't define your future either. We can celebrate. Because God's grace is greater than our biggest failures. Not only that, we can celebrate. Because as we move into our future, we know regardless of our past, that God isn't through with us yet. 
Listen, you can live celebrating because you know that God isn't through with you yet. Anyone here know God's goodness in that way? Anybody here like David can celebrate because God isn't through with you yet, right? Anybody can give the Lord a little hand clap for, for that. He's not through with you yet. He's not through with you yet. I love Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, to his power at work within us. His power is at work within us. The moment we give our lives to Jesus, the moment we recognize and, and hand our lives and our hearts and our futures over to him, we make room for his power to be at work within us, to change us, to transform us, to, to, to evolve our future into something that he designs. Right? He's not through with you yet. He's not through with you yet. Right? Until you go to heaven or Jesus comes back, he's not through with you yet. I like how Tennyson put it. He said, until we get to that one far off divine event to which all creation moves, right? Until we get there, God isn't done making you and recreating you and reshaping you and, 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 and reforming you into who he designed for you to be. Now, that said, let me just say, we are just passing through this life. We are just passing through this place. And Jesus said he has gone ahead to make a place for, for all who, who believe and follow him in eternity. Right? And let me just tell you, that's, that's another reason that we have to celebrate. You can live celebrating because God has called you heavenward, right? You can live celebrating because God has called you heavenward. You can celebrate God's eternal word. You can celebrate that heaven is your future. You can celebrate like Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place, right? Like we have a reason to celebrate. So praise him, celebrate like he went to the cross and covered your sin and conquered hell and conquered death and saved your soul and secured that place for you. We have a reason to celebrate. We can praise him like, like we will when we've been celebrating with angels, singing holy, holy, holy is his name, is the name of God Almighty. We can celebrate because when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun, right? We have a reason to live celebrating. You can live celebrating because he's paid the highest price. You can live celebrating because he's given everything to know and be known by you. You can live celebrating because God has surrounded you with people who you care about and who care about you. You can live celebrating because the King of kings and Lord of lords meets you in the place of need. He is your provider and his generosity towards his children cannot be matched. Friends, you can live celebrating because God owns the universe. God owns the universe, but he so loves you. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loves the world. He so loves you that he gave everything. That if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. Simply through faith in Jesus and the salvation that's found in him. We have a reason to celebrate that transcends anything we face in this world. <clears throat> you know, David would never see that dream that he had be completed. But he still worked to prepare a way for it. He still fought for it. He still went after it. And the reason why is because for David, it wasn't about David's kingdom. It was about God's kingdom 
and power and glory forever. It was about celebrating this relationship, that this truth, this truth that God holds the constellations in his hands. But he knows you by name. He knows you by name. And he invites you to draw close. He invites you to step into his blessing and provision. He invites you to to step into a life that is worth celebrating. He is El Shimsha Jila. God, our exceeding joy. And he invites you to a life that is worth celebrating. Here's why this matters. Here's why this message matters today. It matters because if if you miss that, if you miss that, if you miss your God-given reasons to celebrate that are all around you, if you miss your God-given reasons to celebrate, quite honestly, you miss in many ways your reason. You'll find yourself aimlessly wondering, searching for your next opportunity or the one after what you have right in front of you. If you miss all the many reasons and blessings and provisions of God that have been poured out in your life, if you miss your God-given reasons to celebrate, in many ways you miss your reason. Let me explain it like this, and I'm going to wrap up right here. Um, when, I was in, when, I, when I was in high school, I, I just... To be frank, I was not the best student. Um, I was a little bit of a late bloomer on the learning side of things. I, I, uh, um, I was not almost, always the most together student. In fact, many times, it wasn't, or I would say it wasn't rare for me to show up in homeroom uh, when I was in high school and realize I had a paper due in third period and, and miss the next two classes because I was writing fervently, trying to finish this paper so I could turn it in on time. That was not a rare thing, but I remember this one particular incident where I got a little bit ambitious, and um, I realized that there were, a week in advance I had this particular paper that was due. See, one of my classes, one of my science classes, my teacher would put the schedules for all his classes, almost like the syllabuses, on the wall, and you could go, kind of go up and get a sneak peek of what was coming. This one particular week, I got ambitious, and I went up, and I looked at the calendar, and I went, wow, I know what's coming up next week. Let me get to work. So I went home, and I studied my tail off, and I worked really hard and tried to get this paper together, and I got it done, and the next uh, week I, I showed up, and I walked into class, and I just walked up to him, and I had this paper, and I said, I said, there you go, teacher. Bam. You're not ready. That's, a whole, that's an A waiting to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, was, I had my chest stuck out. I was ready for that particular class. I said, that paper belongs in a trophy, in a trophy case. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was ready. I put that paper on his desk, and, well, long story short, about a week later, he was passing out graded papers, and he passed that one back to me. And uh, when I looked at the front page, I was pretty amazed because it said, great content. Great content. I was like, yes, it is. I turned to the back page where the grade was, and it said, F. Wrong assignment. Great content wrong assignment great content 
wrong assignment. I guess I looked at the wrong schedule for, I looked at the schedule for a different class and I found myself in that moment going, no. But I remember those words, great content, wrong assignment. Can I challenge you today? Nobody wants to get to the end of their life and hear those words. Nobody wants to look back and realize that for all of their busyness and all of their activity that was covering up the real emptiness beneath them. Every, nobody wants to look back and look at all of the activity and busyness and work and effort and all the things that they did and realize that they missed the point and realize that they miss what matters. They were so focused on the big TV that they missed the people. Nobody wants to get to the end of their life and hear great content. Wrong assignment. Jesus said, who cares if you gain the whole world if you lose your soul? So I'm asking you today, are your eyes open to see all of God's blessings around you? Do you have the exceeding joy that comes with knowing God? Do you see your reasons to celebrate. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness in our lives, Jesus. I just pray. <clears throat> I pray today that our eyes would be open. I pray today we would look at that list that we've been making through the service trying to answer this question, or do I see my reasons to celebrate? I pray we look at that list and we would begin to clear things out of the way that are keeping us from the, from the reasons that you have given us to celebrate. I pray we would look at that list right now and, we would, and we, would, we would pray and say, God, help me to not just see these things, but help me to do something about it. God, I pray that we would ask ourselves a deeper question, which is not only do we see our reasons to celebrate, but will we live like we see them? Will we live a life that reflects that the things that you call important in our life are truly important? Or will we continue to play this game of acting busy and looking busy and, and, and all this activity to cover up? That we're missing what's most important. Jesus, I pray, I pray for our church family today that our eyes would be open to see our many reasons to celebrate, to see the people you've put in our lives. I pray that when we get home today, we would look at the pictures on the wall of our family and friends and the people you've put around us, God, and I just pray we would make them a priority. God, I just pray for the work of the church and the forwarding of the gospel. And I pray that uh, as your people, we would see this and we would go, yes, that is important. God, and I pray. I pray. We would look at the many, the many blessings, the provision, the forgiveness that you have given us. I pray that we think about the cross and what's been poured out for us. 
and it would cause us to set aside the important so that we could take hold of what is most important. Jesus, be our priority. Be our hope. Be our future. Give us joy. Let us walk in that joy every day. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, can we give the Lord a big hand clap of praise? All right. Yes.